generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy, too. I'm Andrew, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm Asian. I'm Bethany, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a black woman. I'm Chris, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm a white man. And we're joined today by Tess Patino, who is regularly referred to as our social media goddess, um, but as our <laughs> special airports. guest, we, think, I, 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 we need to incorporate this. Uh, the, yeah, do you but, know which ones are the... I mean, I do. Okay. I don't think I have air horn set. I have applause set up. I'll press the applause button. We're not going to hear it, but here it is on the recording. Very satisfying. Very satisfying. To know that it's there. So it will. That will be great. Okay. I'm like, I, it, for me, it's, I feels like we're making a painting and I just threw like a fistful of paint and I'm like, I don't know how that's going to show up. That's going to be great if it's like the boom sound. <laughs> I was really insistent upon it. Sorry. Um, all right. Tess, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Tess. I use she, her pronouns and I'm Mexican American and white. Cool. Uh, so the first thing we like to do is talk about our reactions to the previous episode um we came in with a certain idea of what we were going to talk about and Beth you're going through some stuff with your mom and you were like I'm going to talk about that but instead it just kind of ended up being a sort of angry episode <laughs> was angry as hell, yeah. and I feel like from my part like I feel like I express myself as way more zen than I actually am what do you mean I mean that like even this week Amy was like you hold your friends to a pretty high standard and that means that like oftentimes you get more you feel more hurt than I think other people do when you're when other people like quote will let you down Mm. and I was like you know what I think that is true like I'm all up in my head when like somebody doesn't like message me back or text me back or plan something and I'll like take it personally and and I always like I always like jump right to the worst case scenario I'll be like this person just hates me Mm -hmm. you know when frequently the answer is much more mundane it just affects me Mm -hmm. you know definitely and it affects me way more than I think I was letting on in that episode where I was like (laughs) I'm learning to let things go I am learning to let things go but it's a process Mm -hmm. right um yeah and I feel similarly, like when I listened back to it at the point where I was like, I'm being mean as hell. And then I kept on going. I literally said out loud, Bethany, that's where you should have shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> you took it too far. Oh, like when you listen back. Yeah. When I listened to it, I was like, oh, you said what you were doing and then you kept on going. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard losing friendships because I'm like you, Andrew, like. I hold my friends to a certain standard. And I also take my friendships really seriously. Mm -hmm. Like for me, friendships easily teeter into family. Mm -hmm. So when it feels like there's a violation, Mm -hmm. it is a real betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. And I could hear the tone of betrayal in Uh my voice of how like pissed I was at like the intimacy that we shared and the collapse of the friendship. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's my correction. I was mean as hell. Mm. I still got work to do too. Okay, so Tess, do you want to um, do you want to tell us a story? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to tell you guys a right. story. 
Um, so two caveats to the story. Uh, the first is that this is a family story, and with most family stories, it is true with a lowercase t, maybe not a capital T. <laughs> okay? So let's just, uh, might be sending you all some corrections later. Um, the second is that uh, based on our topic for this episode i feel like this disproves everything else we will talk about um that's okay we'll, we'll just go with it um so on my dad's side uh, we were mexican-american um and my great grandmother um was uh pretty indigenous to like the chihuahua area grew up uh, on the border of like el paso and um Wars on the other side in Mexico and when the borders were a little bit less strict and she was like I said pretty indigenous to Mexico generally everyone's mostly mixed there but she was definitely more indigenous and she followed what we would call like Mexican brujeria so like basically witchcraft um she was really known for this uh she was like a town buruha um depending on who you ask uh she read cards so not like tarot she read like 52 deck playing cards um and she did this so well this is like how she made money um and she would have like politicians and doctors and lawyers and like people of prestige uh come in and getting their cards read and made lots of money off of this um however uh my great-grandfather um had at some point cheated on her now that's a big mistake you can't cheat on a witch that's just i feel like i feel like people should know that Uh um but so my grandma her name was liberada so libby is what we called her uh my grandma libby allegedly put a hex on him (laughs) unclear if this is again true with a capital t but allegedly and she you know was a, a witch to some degree so seems believable um, and this hex involved um, a few things. So my grandma Libby was known also for like messing with people's sleep. And part one of this is the woman that my great grandfather cheated on her with, they ended up having a child. And they were really afraid, so my great grandfather and the new wife, they're really afraid because of my grandma being a witch that in the middle of the night, uh, she was gonna come in and steal the soul of the baby, of the child. Mm -hmm. So much, they believe this so strongly that uh, the the new wife um, would not sleep at night. She would stay awake all night and only sleep during the day, so that way she would know if someone was gonna try to steal her daughter's soul. The second part, uh, so that's that's part one. The second part <laughs> is that supposedly from, you know, once they got divorced and when the cheating started, uh, my great-grandfather, he had like struggled with really bad insomnia, could not sleep throughout the night. Um, this lasted for about 20 years until uh, the night that my great-grandma Libby died and then he slept through the night for the first time in 20 years. Wow. That's funny. So that wow. is a story about my great-grandma Libby. That is amazing. That is. Did she put a hex on him? Allegedly. Allegedly. So I asked, Allegedly. so my, so it's my great-grandmother. Until she died, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen. Whether it was an actual hex or just the fear. If, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it worked. It was self-induced. It worked. Right. Yeah, my, um, she had an impact. My my grandmother, who was not like the daughter, it was the like mm-hmm. in-law. 
I asked uh, my grandmother uh, if she thought like my great grandma Libby was a witch. And she just said, people will believe anything. And that is not, no. So, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I don't know. Great. <laughs> I feel bad for sis that was afraid for her child, though. Yeah, right. She ain't have nothing to do with it. Did she know Grandma Libby was with him? I mean, I think, she, I mean, probably. Now, I also, this is like another little fun part. <laughs> my Grandma Libby also had a child that was not my great-grandfather's. Mm -hmm. Prior to this. Oh, so he was swinging too? Yeah. But she made sure that man didn't sleep? Again, you can't. She's not a witch. Come on, man. But I get it. Wow. You know? I get so, it. Did uh, she get caught? I mean, yeah, she had a kid. Oh, had so, a kid. oh and, my God. And like, like while my great grandfather, he was like in the military things, like while he was like deployed, and like, like he came back and ended up like, just raising the kid as his own. Like he knew it wasn't his kid, supposedly, but that's interesting. Well, no. Shout out to Grandma Libby. Yeah. So what was your relationship with that story growing up? Was that something you heard? Was that part of like family lore? Yeah, so my dad would tell me that story. I didn't have like all the details pieced together till later. Like I always kind of knew that like my great grandmother was like a witch, but I didn't know to like what extent and like mm -hmm. certain details would like kind of be left out. Like for a long time, I thought that she read tarot cards and my dad was like, no, she didn't read tarot. She read playing cards. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so it was always kind of like known, um, hmm. but in a way that like you not all that had to be explained because like also like everyone and I'm the only person in my I think I'm the only person or one of the only people in my like Mexican side of my family who doesn't see ghosts and I refuse. <laughs> but so like the supernatural was like kind of normal, and so like but you refuse what to see ghosts? Yeah, I just want to see them. If you don't want to see them, you won't you see them. I refuse. You just yeah. choose not to see ghosts? I mean, it's a little more complicated than well, that. Well, I yeah. do want to ask you more about that. <laughs> I know. There's so much know. interesting stuff is being thrown out right now. This, but, but, it, but what was your, like, what was the, what was the relationship between, how was the idea that your grandmother was a witch treated in your family? Was it just like, this is a fun fact about grandma? Or was it like something to be ashamed of? Or was it like just a thing? Like what, yeah. what's the real, what's the attitude? Again, I think if the like certain like maybe like my grandmother's generation, they like didn't really like to talk about it, and it was like because they were like more Catholic, mm -hmm. um, and like a little bit more. But like again, like my grandmother who was like I don't know, people believe anything. She also like saw ghosts, so like some things were like a little more accepted than others. But like my dad was like very open about it, and like his sisters and stuff are way more open, and like their cousins will talk about it, and like. We're like, oh, yeah, like, that's, she was just a witch. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, it kind of, like, depends on, like, who uh -huh. you ask. Um, but, yeah, and some people, like, emphasize different parts. But it was kind of, like, normal. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know, like, didn't even face Yeah. Me. So that's what our episode is about today. Uh, I guess it's, it's October. <laughs> it's October. <laughs> it's finally getting chilly. Mm -hmm. It's, like, you know, it's spooky season. Do we have like a spooky sound? Like, whoa. <laughs> that was it. Right? Okay. <laughs> um, so I figured it would be an interesting uh, chance to talk about some of this stuff. Occulty stuff, weird stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, I guess my question for, for you all is, what was your relationship with, you know, 
spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. Even even mm-hmm. something as benign as Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your relationship with it growing up? For my family, we weren't allowed to celebrate Halloween, but my parents were really sweet. My dad got a discount to the embassy suites in Center City, so they would take us for a family night to the embassy suites so okay. that we didn't end up tortured by all the kids dressing uh-huh. up and knocking on our door. They would take us away from our neighborhood and like we would watch movies and just have a good time in the hotel. But definitely no devilish Halloween in my household. Mm. Yeah, I... Uh... I'm definitely a child of the 80s in the evangelical church. So like I I was part of the I was part of the crowd that was like Dungeons and Dragons is the this of the devil. Mm-hmm. Um even though I've played it now, it's like it's fun. Really fun. And like all of those devilish things are yeah. so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now I'm like I'm I'm thinking about this and I'm confused. I definitely spent many Halloweens. I can remember my friend James and his refrigerator costume, which I thought was so cool that like, I would like, and I think I was probably like dressed as a clown that year. So like there was definitely dressing up. And I think like your friend was dressed as a refrigerator, a refrigerator, which was just like, it was a cardboard box with armholes, but uh-huh. it was so cool. What? Why? Why was it cool? Wait, <laughs> because it was just like that was like the peak of imagination for me. I think costume. like yeah, I was like this is this is so outside the box, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was basically like we could trick or we could like watch movies and dress up at church. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how strong that rule is. It's just I don't that the church was definitely like all about like. The occult is real, and and like these these things are influences of the occult, and I think and I think like Halloween was in there. Now I'm confused about like how we still got to do that mm. just because we were at church. I, for me, um, yeah, we didn't do Halloween. It was of the devil, mm-hmm. uh, so, and so we would literally just turn off our lights so trick or treaters wouldn't come. But we didn't do anything fun. We would just sit in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would love to have gone to the embassy suites. We just sat in the dark. God damn, you ain't get no candy, and yeah. you were in the dark. Exactly. So there's nothing about that night to look forward no. to. It it was it was a night of fear and terror, and not in none of it in the fun way. Right. Oh. Um. Yeah, and also because the idea was that like. Halloween was occultic and evil and the, I mean we were the funny thing is like that's very much a product of like the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. yeah. I saw a comedian say recently <laughs> that I like my parents were evangelicals and I'm talking 80s and 90s evangelicals which are the most extreme evangelicals <laughs> they are he was like they I think are. I have less fun than Jesus and I was like <laughs> there's something about that like 80s mm-hmm. 90s yeah. I think because it was so in response to the 70s mm-hmm. that it's super you're right like that 80s 90s era is really Street. intense yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean I my the thing I remember about being uh about my religious experience growing up are all the things that i wasn't allowed to do (laughs) like i can do it by era you know like teenage mutant ninja turtles is violent also 
They're turtle people. That must be satanic. <laughs> yeah. Those trolls dolls are <laughs> satanic because they're magical. I don't even. Yeah. Know. Wait. Yeah. Do you remember Rupert the Wizard on Nickelodeon? No. Okay. Maybe because Rupert came on during the daytime and I was homeschooled, so it was an option for me. <laughs> but that also got banished from my house. Okay. I was yeah. wondering if we had to say maybe he doesn't remember if he wasn't allowed to watch it. Well, it's possible. <laughs> I wish we had like a crossover <laughs> banishment. I know Pokemon, definitely. Right, yeah, Pokemon. Okay. Oh, right. Um like yeah. I, I thought it was a joke that people couldn't watch Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like but that's real. Probably real. I, I still even feel weird about it. There are certain things that I have never ventured to watch because I'm just like, really? Hmm. Yeah, it's just like, it, and it's not like I've actually come to a conclusion that like this is sinful. I don't even really believe in sin in that way. But I still don't really fuck with Harry Potter because the motherfuckers got in my head enough that yeah, I'm just yeah. like, I don't even want to watch this you shit might see at this point. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the funny thing is, you know, the funny thing is in the long run, I have come around to like, I don't don't want to fuck with Harry Potter right now, but that's because it's transphobic. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or like, I'm I'm very anti Dungeons and Dragons because I think it's the most colonial role playing game. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. I'll I'll play other tabletop role playing games. But I think Dungeons and Dragons is racist. Okay. uh, Code Switch just did an episode. Oh, they did that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I have to listen to it. I drive to Delaware. Mm -hmm. Um. So the funny thing is, like, (laughs) same in front. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But I guess that kind of is interesting to what we're is connected to what we're talking about because what we're kind of talking about here is is sin are like what are the things that are like forbidden to us Mm -hmm. the the question here is where do we draw the lines and why do we draw the lines Mm -hmm. because to some extent we're looking back on our past and realizing that the lines that we drew or the lines that we were taught to draw maybe even some of the lines that we continue to draw and feel weird about Mm -hmm. like you were just saying Mm -hmm. like those lines were drawn for a reason and it's useful to interrogate that reason right right because in so many ways the things that our parents restricted us from and i have a lot more kindness towards my parents because of well my mother specifically because of the season of life that she's in but like our parents had these restrictions because they really did want the best for us and they didn't fucking have google and tiktok (laughs) to easily cross check stuff like they were doing their best yeah to like live in an uncontrollable world is what i think yeah i think yeah you're right or an out of what felt like an out of control world, especially from that evangelical lens. So if yeah. we can control that, like worshiping God looks like this, and then like have this very strict idea of what is witchcraft, mm-hmm. maybe these things can keep us safe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, looking back at the '80s, that satanic panic stuff was coming from a very specific time where there was fear in the United States about like satanic cults right this fear was honestly being like uh, repeated well well, yeah there was like Mm -hmm. that stuff but also like these fears about satanic cults and murderers were being uh, amplified by law enforcement Mm -hmm. Uh, oh really yeah because police departments like they get more money 
they get to be heroes fighting Satan. Right. Also, there were a lot of evangelicals and the police that totally. like, really latched onto these stories, mm-hmm. like this narrative about like the police as a hero, not just like of the neighborhood, but like fighting the devil. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And you know, these this narrative just got amplified by other evangelical leaders who. I mean, probably also benefited from the fact that people are literally afraid of the devil. Like, mm-hmm. right, if you're afraid of the devil, you're gonna you're gonna come you're gonna to church. Go to church, mm-hmm. you're, gonna you're gonna give time. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I think about my parents, and they are just downstream from this. They're just like listening to eighty nine point three FM radio in the Lehigh Valley, listening to their gospel music, and right. then like James Dobson comes on and tells them that like the devil's trying to seduce your kid. You know, they're just gonna. Go with it, I guess. Right. Yeah. I don't have kids, so that's where my hesitation came from. But I I can imagine, especially as a parent, there is just some real like caveman barbaric, I gotta protect this little motherfucking baby. No so doubt. anything, no doubt. like yeah. you take anything seriously if it comes to protecting sure. a kid, I yeah. wonder. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's even true now when there are all these like parents just like they're there's always like some trend that parents are afraid of yeah um and it's not always like well substantiated but like the fear is very real right Mm -hmm. yeah sure i think for in my experience um in the black church things that are not easily explained because we don't have access to things economically would quickly become witchcraft Mm. um so like there's always somebody i have been so angry on the podcast lately there is always somebody denouncing their greek letters uh-huh that drives me absolutely all right i need you to the black i need you to tell me what this means what does denouncing means because i saw a facebook your facebook post about it okay i need this explained and i definitely was only talking to people i went to college with i was like i'm not explaining this so when you pledge a sorority there are a, there's a certain group of people that will denounce, which basically means they are like that. Like, I'm no longer affiliating with these organizations in these letters because God has called me to give it up. And I only have one true God. And he said, no idols before him. Like, bitch, what did you play? <laughs> because, like, <laughs> you, I have a friend um, <laughs> who denounced me. <laughs> During the pandemic. And then she called me and my other friend. So uh, he's also in a fraternity. She spent 30 minutes, almost like a, a Jehovah Witness, telling us how we need to denounce as well. No. want to follow Jesus Christ, uh-huh. we got to denounce as well. So it's this thing that's very niche to the Black Greek community. Mm-hmm. But I think it is only an issue because white people are in... Uh, secret societies and fraternity and all types of societies that that have to do with their careers or their education. But I think because education was something mm-hmm. that was distant for Black folks for so long, mm-hmm. Greek life doesn't make sense. Making a pledge to an organization doesn't make sense. So mm-hmm. it must be witchcraft. And I kind of feel the same way. There was something else that I was thinking of. I feel the same way about like independent women. Uh-huh. Oftentimes, women who had strong um, personalities in the church uh-huh. would be called, would be told that like what they were doing was witchcraft or that they were Jezebels mm-hmm. and that would come up a lot. Yeah, so these right. things that like yeah. 
are complex. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Therapy as well. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know about therapy. Do you, well, you really need to depend on God and not other people, maybe not necessarily witchcraft, but just all of these things that have been inaccessible to the community suddenly become ostracized or dubbed as witchcraft Mm -hmm. or are Eastern. What do you mean? Yoga. Of all things. (laughs) Oh, I'm thinking of for the black church. Yeah, right. Different, right, different, different things. Well, I mean, I think there's a connection there because the the same reason, what we tend to do as as people is like have a, have a, have a things that are familiar, Mm -hmm. therefore good, and Mm -hmm. then things that are outside of our experience, which are foreign and they must be bad. So frequently in the West, among Western Christians, that means that all of this weird Eastern stuff gets right. dumped in the same bucket, regardless of whether it actually has any relationship to each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yoga, crystals, uh, tarot cards, Reiki. meditation, Reiki. All of them are so different. All of them extremely different from different cultures and and faith traditions and spiritual practices and mm-hmm. people groups. But they all get lumped into this like this bag of esoteric stuff. Right. And... I mean, for better and for worse, there are people out there that embrace all that woo-woo stuff as like being like connected in a weird kind of orientalist way. <laughs> and and there yeah. are people that like reject all of that wholesale because that's just outside of their experience. Mm-hmm. But either way, they're being lumped into the same bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I mean, I think there is a connection there, and I think it's connected to what Beth is saying, and that they're both they're it, it's about people rejecting what they're unfamiliar with. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 The only reason I didn't say it's Eastern is because like Greek life is is it's not. so full of westernized respectability, white supremacist nonsense. So that's why I was like, Ugh. but well, I get what you're yeah, saying. Like we it's were, the unfamiliar, the yeah, yeah. yeah, right. The unfamiliarity and rejecting that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm curious about uh, is whether um, whether you had whether you all had your own journeys of um learning to renegotiate these lines that were drawn mm-hmm. um for me for instance i think it really did start with harry potter to be honest like harry potter came out in like 1999 or I something i think so yeah like 98 or 99 and uh i read the book secretly <laughs> by literally borrowing it from a friend and then hiding it under my pillow amazing and I just liked the book. And like, you could not convince me that it was evil. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because I was already reading other fantasy that was Mm -hmm. like approved fantasy, Mm -hmm. like The Hobbit and The the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. And Harry Potter was like not that different. It was just like more like British fantasy. (laughs) You know, just like British people running around doing magic stuff. Um, so for me, it was, I, it, that Harry Potter was the thing that made me be like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe I've been, maybe my parents have been wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess if my mom is listening to this, she's probably feeling vindicated. She's probably like, I fucking knew it. It was, <laughs> it was Harry Potter. It was the gateway drug <laughs> to, to Satanism. Um, so I don't know. 
how what was it for you all if there was a thing i had a similar process of i'm gonna secretly try this for me it was yoga Mm. um on days when i didn't feel like exercising really hard in eighth grade i would do like yoga to Mm. still get physical Mm -hmm. activity and i remember feeling like this is just exercise like this is really just a connection to my body like Yeah, this is not that big a deal. So yeah, experimenting was my first uh, entryway into hmm, maybe this isn't so bad. Yeah, I, I feel like I like similarly it was probably things like acupuncture mm-hmm. and and like Thai massage that like just because of the word Thai in it, some, somehow it's like weird. But um, yeah, it, having those experiences of like no these these things are like benign or helpful, right? You know, sort of like yeah, sort of warm me up to the idea that there might be other things that like similarly uncomfortable to me but because of my weird hang-ups not because they're actually bad Mm -hmm. it also sucks as like i think my mind just jumped somewhere way further but it sucks as a person of color that i don't have cultural practices that i can dig up you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i don't actually have a connection to some of these practices or to some spiritual practices yeah, that, yeah. that have African roots. So part of the problem of introducing something this late into like my socialization is like, oh, what's a fit? What fits my culture? What makes sense to me? Sometimes yeah. it's hard for me to distinguish between what is my indoctrination and what actually doesn't feel like a fit. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think that's also been something along the way that I've thought about. I had a I had a family member who was who was Wicca for a long time, um, isn't anymore. But like when we delved into her story, it like had these tie-ins to like being, um, being an independent woman mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church, <laughs> and I could totally understand that, especially like seeing my mom struggle in our evangelical church, mm-hmm. like and and also like. At that time, being in my 20s and just having a larger historical perspective on like women in um, society and just all the ways that like if you had any inkling of independence, and of course you did because you're people like men, mm-hmm. you were instantly um, categorized in, in these crazy ways that disenfranchised you. So like I could see where in many ways Wicca for her was just her like trying to hold on to her spirituality Mm -hmm. and her fierce independence right Mm. Tess for you you have been you have been experimenting with uh, I guess indigenous spiritual practice Mm -hmm. that's like personal to you and your ancestors is that fair to say yeah how did you get into that um, so again, part of it is like, it's always been there in ways you don't realize, but part of it has mm-hmm. been like learning from other people. Um, so actually, I think one of the times I was on the podcast, I talked about a book I was into mm-hmm. that was all about this stuff it's called American Brujeria. And like, I learned a lot of stuff from that, that it was all about like Mexican American, like folk practices, but a lot of them were also like tied into like Catholicism, um, like how you light candles, for example. But part of that, like, belief is that you also kind of just do what your family does. Mm -hmm. And if your family is doing it, or even someone who's really, really close to you, doesn't necessarily have to be, like, family, like, blood family, Mm -hmm. then it's, quote, unquote, better or more powerful. And that is, like, a belief that you have that, um, you know, like, my sister, one of my sisters, 
uh, also is you know into all this stuff and when she shares a practice with me and i do it like the belief is that like it's better for both of us mm-hmm. because we both are doing the same thing and therefore you're doing it with like all the people behind you mm-hmm. and so if you know if one person's like like sometimes there's things you don't even realize like what day of the week you clean your house that often is like a spiritual background in like some indigenous practices and like if your family cleans your house on sunday and mine cleans it on saturday you should always follow what your family does like it's not like a competition of well whose is better or whose is right it's Mm. about like what does your family do because you do it with them even if it's just you and your sibling like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be generations back but it can be um and it's also a matter of like what kind of feels good and what works um like there's some things my sister does that i don't do and vice versa um and same with like the rest of our family i totally know what you mean in that like i I don't think there's anything whiter than telling people how to do something (laughs) i'm thinking about like all right so a lot of a lot of asians like chinese or and other asians have like shrines or or altars Mm -hmm. right and if you go to like the wiki how article for how to set up a shrine the way that actual asians actual asian immigrants and like or whatever a chinese restaurant that you go to in chinatown will set up their shrine frequently they break rules all the time you know it's like there's you you didn't put it in the right place or it's on the ground Mm -hmm. or you need to refresh it more often but it it, like nobody's out there being like you're doing your shrine wrong it's just like (laughs) you've got this practice that feels good and other people around you are doing it and it kind of changes and transforms and being informed by the community and your family and your own experience of the thing and the idea of like this thing is being is not up to code is not a it's not very like white based because white people are the only motherfuckers that actually get to experience right Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. of color we know shit don't work out all the time that stuff is not quite right all the time from the time you're born you know that very quickly white people are the only people who sometimes experience justice in the world so that's why they think yeah, and it's not it as like implemented with everyone. It's not as rules based, and it's mm-hmm. not as like, um, like resource based. I guess mm-hmm. even like so, for example, like I'm burning a white candle right now. It should be purple because like purple is good for like ancestral connections. And when you're talking about ancestors, I don't have a purple candle right now, so it's a white candle because white will do just fine when you don't have purple. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that big yeah. of a deal yeah. because it's not like it's not prescriptive. It's it's about yeah, living. it's about what it's about. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Why are you doing it? Well, there's like there's a sounds like there's a great deal of intention that mm-hmm. also defines the the utility and the the spirit. Yeah, and it's like what what makes sense to you, what feels good to you. Yeah. Um, and with that, like being in tune with that spirituality nature of it. Mm-hmm. Well, Tess, you've talked before about how like the Mexican part of your ancestry was de-emphasized when you were growing up, mm-hmm. and you struggled with the fact that like in certain contexts you're white passing Mm -hmm. i feel like for you being interested in these practices and you might have said this before is also a way for you to engage with your past with your family is that fair to say yeah because i think especially like how i view this style of like brujeria it's very dependent on like ancestral connection and it's very dependent on like having a relationship with your ancestors right. and so like for me when i light a candle and i am praying mm-hmm. like i ask like my grandma libby and my grandma andrea and my grandma dora and like i ask all those people to help and i also ask jesus and then i say lord hear our prayer yeah. <laughs> and like that's like none of that conflicts to right. me mm-hmm. um and it's 
Like I can't do this without them mm -hmm. and without the belief that to some degree they're, mm -hmm. even if it's not literal ghosts or literal um, being, but it's like their presence to some degree mm -hmm. is still there. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I believe helping me figure out what makes sense for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just like I said earlier, like, oh, it's what feels good to me, but it's not. It's like what feels good to us because I'm right. able to be in tune to like, to some degree, like, again, this sounds real woo-woo-y, but like how they feel about it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that's just like being intentional and like, I don't even, I wouldn't say I meditate, but mm -hmm. just like rest in that. I, um, in, in the episode two, episodes ago like when the when the subject of ancestry came up that like we kind of rehashed last time that are talking about this time it, it just occurred to me that like and I had to look it up like there's an idea in our faith tradition that's biblical of like a cloud of witnesses mm -hmm. out of and that's like that's mentioned in in Hebrews like and it just seems like it's very much in this flow well yeah that's definitely true uh do, do you remember making a choice to incorporate mm -hmm. these practices mm -hmm. into your life not a it felt more like a slow fade yeah. like to mm -hmm. where it is more like yeah. like slowly especially because you're like again it was always kind of normal that we talked about it but we didn't fully practice a lot of these things yeah and it helped me that ironically my sister was kind of going on that same journey too and so like it became very normal for us to kind of talk about in those ways. But also like when I visit my family in Maryland, like we have more than once gone to the crystal store together, like as a family, that's just like what we do. <laughs> and like, that's also very normal. Like, even though like my siblings have various levels of like how much they're into it, I guess, yeah. um, it's still just like seen as kind of normal. And so I feel like definitely more now of like researching or asking or like even talking to my dad about like, okay, well, what else did, like, my great-grandmother do? We're talking to, like, her direct granddaughter. Mm -hmm. Like, I saw her when I was in Texas most recently, and, like, she taught me how she, like, read her cards, um, like, her actual, like, spread, which is really important to, like, do the spread the same way. Like, I can do any spread I want, but, like, once she taught me how to do the, the quote-unquote right spread, it's not necessarily right, but the one that my grandma did, I was like, oh, that, that feels good. Like, that feels right. And so I think it's, like, a slow fade of none of it to me conflicts and it all just kind of uh -huh. seamlessly goes. But again, there's some things that I learned that I like don't do. Uh -huh. um, Chris, what opened it up for me, what opened it up for me is the fact that a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of this weird stuff is in the biblical context. Yeah. Like the cloud of witnesses that you mentioned, but also just the idea of magic. Like people are always doing magic in the old Testament and not just like bad, bad people. Like they're just like, Jacob casually does it to increase his flock yield. Mm -hmm. He does something with reeds or like Saul sees a necromancer and it's not, there's, there's like very little judgment about, even though later people have imposed judgment on that story mm -hmm. and on the person that's summoning the spirit of Samuel, there's no judgment in the story. It's just a thing that happens. It's part mm -hmm. of the world that they're in. Right. And it makes the, the world feel the Kings that like read the stars to find their way. To right. Them. Even in the new Testament, there are, there are there is astrology yeah, yeah. like yeah. right off the bat <laughs> and also is from weirder things like jesus using his spit to heal a person's <laughs> yeah. which is a magical practice of the sec of the second temple judaism it's yeah. like so what does it mean for jesus to be doing this magical practice or like the disciples using divination to figure out who's going to replace judas they cast lots mm -hmm. you know so it's so, a 
these and, and the reason that these practices are in the Bible is because unlike us, the ancients don't didn't have a strong distinction between like what's a rational scientific practice and what's like uh, a yeah. you know, yeah. for them, like, for, for instance, we wash our hands, you know, because we have these ideas about germs and stuff. Well, they had their own ideas about how the world worked and they just did them and they didn't think like, oh, this is scientific and this is spiritual. They just did what worked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that distinction didn't exist. Right. Uh, so hmm. for me, like that opens up the question of like, well, what does work mm -hmm. in my day-to-day -day life? Yeah. Like what are, what are yeah. the practices that work for me that help me access these parts of seeing the world um, and then help me see it beyond just being rational. Mm. And also like, what are the practices that I already do? For instance, I was raised to like pray before I eat or read the Bible before I go to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, so I was raised with certain ritual practices mm -hmm. that I did because I was taught to, because my family did them. And because in some way I thought that would like, that would be, it would like, oh, here's the term. It would bless me. <laughs> it would be a blessing. Yeah. Or for instance, every time before we leave my my grandparents' house, my mom would always be like, go ask your grandfather for a blessing. And then he would like put his hand on my head and bless me. Like mm -hmm. it was straight out of Genesis, mm -hmm. like cast a spell on me, basically. Yeah. It sounds so sweet. Right. And so, yeah, it really opened my eyes toward like the the way that my a lot of my life was already infused with these practices. Mm -hmm. And what are other ways that I can tap into that energy? What makes you say he cast a spell on you, basically? Basically, like functionally, and also in the way that I see what he's doing, on a way maybe even the way that my family sees what what he's doing. I don't mm -hmm. think there's any difference between that and. A spell he is doing a series of motions he is saying words he is invoking a higher power mm -hmm. in order to bring about something that otherwise would not be brought out mm -hmm. because of something that he is doing mm -hmm. like yeah. I don't think there's like he could I don't think it would be any weirder if he were to do it with a wand <laughs> you know? the fact that he's doing it with his hand touching me I don't think is any less weird mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah yeah, yeah. Not when you put it that way. It's really like semantics not. at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and it is interesting <laughs> when you put it that way. Yeah. yeah. This is, then has nothing to do with anything. Maybe I'll come back to, <laughs> to, to, to this later. But um, I, one of my cell had a Tyrogue cell. <laughs> I love it. Where um, we were, everybody who had decks just brought decks and we marveled at each other's decks and also did some reading. But one member of the cell, like he was interested but he wasn't gonna do it because <laughs> there was something about yeah. the practice that was was holding him up because he had hang-ups about it which i totally respect mm -hmm. if it didn't feel good for him I'm not gonna, don't do it yeah i'm sure i'm into doing it. yeah yeah um but i guess the question that i have is like I kind of identify with him. Sometimes as I'm sitting here, I'm just like, why do I have to be into witchcraft? I just fucking am not. Like, there's something about us evangelicals and responding to the way that our parents mm -hmm. <laughs> raised us that like we go, I, I feel like we try to, um, what's the word? 
the word that's coming up for me is rebel, but that's almost too closely related to like the parent relationship. Sometimes it, yeah, it feels so reactive that I'm just like, are you really into tarot and all those other things? Or do you know that it would piss your mom off? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I kind of identify, I've done tarot before, but it certainly doesn't feel like a connection for me or even like, like I won't, learn to read tarot i have no interest in learning how to read tarot but like my sister reads tarot i won't read tarot and it's not necessarily like because i have some weird hang up on like witchcraft but it just doesn't feel right to me and like again part of like a lot of witchcraft ish beliefs um also my sister would be mad if i called her witchcraft because i think she thinks that cheapens it um i think it does but brujeria ancestral practices etc that like part of it's like yeah if it doesn't feel good don't do it but that like when you pick decks of cards like in tarot you're supposed to like feel like it calls to you or like when you pick crystals out or candles if it doesn't like mm-hmm. literally feel good you're not supposed to even buy it yeah. um and like i have never felt that way about a tarot deck like i just i've had other people read cards for me but i won't do it but any deck of cards i feel a connection to like any deck of cards i've always loved like decks of cards and just like i have a million over there so once i learned that oh is my grandma actually read mm-hmm. 52 deck i'm like that makes so much more sense mm-hmm. yeah but like i have no interest on in reading tarot just because that is like a witchy thing to do and i claim mm-hmm. to feel some connection to that like mm-hmm. no just in that i frequently think people put too much uh put too much stock in in the in the deck in tarot cards mm-hmm. you know the cardamancy which is what we're talking about yeah, it's card it's just uh reading a pattern out of something that's out of chaos mm-hmm. like that's basically the idea and you can do it with cards you can do it with tea you can do it with sticks yeah. but and also like tarot cards right. themselves started just playing cards yeah and, and for the for the most part like most of those things it's like and i would say this my sister would say this a lot of people who are like very deep into tarot it's like the cards actually don't tell you anything you tell me everything right. like you, it's based on like knowing the person knowing patterns knowing what needs to be said and like relying on your intuition to help you with mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it has very little to do with the actual cards it's right. knowing how to like interpret that and yeah. and that anyone like the way i read cards is going to be different than any other person who practices cards yeah, totally. because it's based on like how you interpret the cards right. right that's also why i don't usually read for other people and i don't usually go around talking about it because it's such a personal basically devotional practice mm-hmm. for me to like think about how i'm feeling and mm. the circumstances around me Mm-hmm. So, I think that's the difference that I'm thinking of. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, like you said, like it's a reaction. Mm-hmm. So, some of the people that I've interacted with that have discovered um, tarot, or even I've known some people that were into brujeria and it didn't last for very mm-hmm. long, it has always felt very reactive. Mm-hmm. Like, when I would talk about church, well, now you want to talk about, you know, Right. Whatever spell. And it's kind of like you're rolling Uh your eyes. And that's why I don't do Jesus anyways. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. But people that I know, like you, Mm -hmm. who have really connected with it on an ancestral level Mm -hmm. and are people of color, um, it's been different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, I'm also like super fortunate that I have like my dad who knows all of this about my great grandmother. Like a lot of people don't even have access to ancestral you know, knowledge in that way. And again, I, there's a lot I don't have access to, but there's other people, you know, like J. Allen Cross who wrote the American Buddha book that yeah. I can like rely on, but some practices just are gone or were folded into something else or, 
you know, that it, it can be hard for, you know, like a, a lot of even white people do have some sort of pagan things in their ancestry, but mm-hmm. it was kind of eradicated out and it's hard to find those resources to be able to connect in that way. So I do feel like super lucky that I can connect in that way and that I have access to like some knowledge, you know, if it's not everything and it's not yeah. yeah in every aspect of my life, but to some degree it is like yeah. it's in how I think and yeah totally and I th- I mean I I think I like that you're acknowledging that you're lucky in that you have these resources to depend on because like you Beth um I the the folk ancestral practices uh that I have my family goes ha- has been Christian for like five generations right you know mm-hmm. we don't so I don't have a lot of like traditional Asian practices in my life mm-hmm. I don't have access to them and they the ones that I do have been filtered through Christianity. Mm-hmm. So, which is why I connected with that episode mm-hmm. when, um, Brooke. Brooke, yeah, when Brooke said, like, well, what if the, the God of my ancestors is Jesus? Because mm-hmm. that's very much my experience. Mm-hmm. Because I, I do think there are, there is, I do think there is magic in the way that my parent, my ancestors have engaged with Jesus. But ultimately, they, they, they did it through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, for instance, like I could start doing, I don't know, the I Ching. That'd be kind of neat. I've thought about it. But ultimately, that it, it isn't something that, it's something that like other Asians have done, but it's not something that's specific to me in my family. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that hook. Right. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's also something to be said about like, you also don't have to do things just because your family did it. And like, and I think the same, I think sometimes. Or didn't. Yeah, or didn't do. And I think sometimes people need to, like, when, Beth, I think you made me think of this when you're talking about, like, people who are being reactionary and trying to, like, go into Wicca or some sort of Celtic version or something, which, like, can be really good. But just because someone did it at some point doesn't mean you have to. Mm -hmm. Like, I think about, like, the story I literally told us about my grandma Libby hexing people. I will not hex anyone. Do not ask me to hex anyone. Right. Now, if you want me to light a candle and ask Libby to do something for us, like, that's different, but I will not hex people because, Mm -hmm. like, I just, that does not fit in my worldview Mm -hmm. of what I want to, like, bring into being. And so I won't do it. I could be like, well, my grandma Libby hexed people, so I'm going to, but I'm just not. Like, that's just not, that doesn't feel good to me, so I won't do it. And I think that's important, too, that people, uh, just because a spiritual practice you're delving into does xyz doesn't mean you have to yeah and i think like that's kind of where i'm i feel like i'm coming from is the, the reaction to the things i don't understand mm-hmm. the things that like the collective that i've that i was raised in didn't understand like either way it's going to be a reaction um and and you're right like really for the long term that's not really how I want to live. That's like, that's the best I've had for a long time. <laughs> it's just like, that's not good. I'm not doing that. I'm, I think I'm coming to a place and like these conversations are helpful that like, it's not necessarily anything. Um, but certainly the, like that, like that reaction and that, that fervor against as a as a white person like i like there's definitely a history of how destructive that impulse is just to destroy things we don't understand Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i really don't want to do that anymore (laughs) 
Like even if I don't like embrace like, everything, theoretically destroy it. Yeah, like, I come up with reasons why it doesn't make sense. Right, and if I yeah. if I don't understand it, maybe like individually, not make it about the thing I don't understand mm -hmm. right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Try and understand, or at least understand why I'm uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. But Chris, you start having nightmares. All you gotta do <laughs> is gotta put a bowl of salt water under your bed. <laughs> Goes for all of you. Mm -hmm. Preferably glass or like syringe. That's good plastic. to know. My dreams are vivid. I don't have a lot of nightmares, but. Now, if you start having like insomnia, like really long nightmares, I need to know what you're doing to me. <laughs> Grandma Louie's coming for you. <laughs> I mean, here's what I want to know. Do y'all believe in ghosts? Mm -hmm. Yes. Know? 100%. Why yeah. 100%? 100%. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. So these lives, these entities, these spirits have to keep on going. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's just saying that you believe in life after death, though, which is not a bold statement for a Christian to say. I'm talking about ghosts. I don't think that's <laughs> what that set means. You don't think so? Mm -mm. Ghosts I feel like different. ghosts are an energy that mm -hmm. still exists. Ghosts is the like... Do you believe that ghosts can haunt a place? I think they can keep on occupying a place. My dad talks about a house that he grew up in. I feel like this explains a lot about my dad. But he says in the... I probably was structured like that. Listeners, there's like a doorway with two doors. And he says that in the evening, the ghosts would pace back and forth and you would have to time getting past it. Whoa. So I've been, I've wow. grown up so believing specific. in ghosts yeah. because of those stories. Mm -hmm. And like when you said, I don't see ghosts. And I was like, you won't see ghosts if nope. you don't want to. Cause I had to I literally say to myself one day, I said to God, I was like, that's about enough. I don't yeah. want to see that. I was about 11 years old and I never saw mm -hmm. an entity again, but for years, for most of my growing up, mm -hmm. until I was 11 or 12, I always saw little things. You did see ghosts up until 11 or 12. I wouldn't say ghosts, but certainly. Yeah, I can things. like feel when there's like, yeah. there's I, I won't energy. see a ghost. I can feel things. And I say, go find my sister. <laughs> I, I will out loud to go find my sister. <laughs> you send them to your sister? <laughs> She's Is she kiss. okay with that? No, um, don't That's care. So I, I'm not the one that Amazing. can see them. And like, yeah, my family grew up with like, like why I believe in them is even though I don't have a physically seen them is there's too many stories, there's too many stories of people very close to me, like everyone else in my family. Yeah. And, and when I was most recently in Texas for my grandmother's funeral, I was with all my family who a lot about, we have a bit in that proximity. And there is also like strong belief in like Mexican culture that like your, like every person has their own thing that they're like good at. Um, and a lot of people in my family are good at seeing ghosts. And if you are with your the people you're close with a lot of times your like thing that you're good at can be like amplified and also new things can be brought out and i like said to like everyone in my family i said if one of you makes me see ghosts i'm gonna be pissed so i don't want to see no ghosts because you people just because i'm here and luckily i didn't see any ghosts but i think i was cutting it real close there's some definitely like things i was feeling that i was like hmm. go find anyone else you want you can see my tia you can see my cousin you can see my sister anyone i i don't want to deal with this right now wow um, but yeah yeah, I, I think I, I kind of fall on the same... I, I, well, like, if we're talking about ghosts as, like, the spirits of the deceased, no, I don't believe that. Why well, not? Because um, I really... <laughs> so quick, <'cause>, why? <laughs> because I think we die, and if, if like, at the very least, we're just dead. Um, but I don't really believe that. I, I believe that, like, there is an afterlife. That's, like, that's the, like 
place for the soul. But I do also believe in other spiritual forces. Like, I, I like yeah, like those things exist. No, they're, they're not people. Angels and demons? Yeah, absolutely. I'll go for that. Do you believe in fairies? No. I wish I did. What the I hell? Don't. I don't think like that's a smooth transition from angels and demons no. to fairies. Why I feel not? Like they're totally different. In, in the Muslim tradition, there are people. Okay. There are angels. There are also fallen angels. And then there are jinn. There are spirits that are neither human nor angel nor demon that are nonetheless created by God and inhabit the natural world. Hmm. And most traditions... Are they little? Uh, they're spirits. They're just right? spirits. Oh. Yeah. Like, like often people will refer to them as like genies too. They're different, but it's a similar like mm-hmm. relation. <laughs> so uh, you just said that you're not sure you saw a ghost, but maybe you saw something. Mm-hmm. You know? There's a little bitch in... Little bitch. There's a little <laughs> girl in a nightgown. I'll never forget it. I was 12 years old. Uh-huh. And that's when I was like, I've had enough, Jesus. Ooh. And, and you're not sure whether... Wait, you don't think that was the spirit of a deceased person? Or Couldn't it have been because it was in my brand new home. This clearly, uh-huh. I thought a lot about that. Uh-huh. It was a little girl in a nightgown, but I don't which know. Would make me think in a brand new home. That uh-huh. doesn't make sense. But see, I don't think spirits are tied to location. Sometimes I. I mean, certainly do. not because you're sending them to your sister. Yeah, I send them to my sister. Yeah. <laughs> so that's your problem. I always feel like spirits are tied to locations because mm-hmm. there's consistency and energy i think they prefer locations okay yes i would say that with that yeah there's like Mm -hmm. certain areas that they want sure i think they're open to people who are open to them so there's a movement that i sometimes they have to follow you yeah yeah connected to them and they're like that's my person now now i have no other information about what i think about like are are they like truly people do they help moving on like I don't really know, honestly, but I'm also like, not my problem, not my business. That <laughs> right. is for my sister to deal with. Mm-hmm. That is her, that is her theology it. to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. I also grew up in a super charismatic church that mm-hmm. talked about demons a lot. So sure. I think mm-hmm. maybe I was imagining things. Maybe I was more open to things because mm-hmm. of the people I was around. It right. could be either one. Right. I mean, I, I honestly, I think one of the going. only reasons I'm open to the supernatural is because I grew up as a Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. Like frequently we would pray things like, you know, God send your angels to protect us. Like we're praying for angelic intercession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're acknowledging the existence of an unintelligent yeah. being mm-hmm. yeah. that is not human that does something. I guess the the real reason that I'm asking about this is because personally for me, I feel like the feeling that the world is bigger and weirder and uh, maybe not as understandable as we mm-hmm. as we think it is yeah is is healthy for mm-hmm. human beings and I also think it's natural mm-hmm. I think n- normally that's the way that we deal with the world mm-hmm. I, I I just feel like oftentimes we we have feelings about how the world works mm-hmm. and instead of like leaning into it and embracing what whatever human thing is happening we tell ourselves like that's not how the world works like dead people are dead i'm (laughs) I'm gonna ignore this kind of nice impulse that i have to engage with the universe in a weird way Mm -hmm. frequently we just tell ourselves like universe doesn't work like that world isn't that weird not scientific right not rational Mm -hmm. cut it off and i just feel like our lives are a little more enriched if we think, well, maybe I can engage with this thing. Yeah, we entertain the weird a little bit more. Right, if like 
with the next time I have a bad dream, I exercise control put, over it by putting some salt. And, and that honestly is part of it. Like, mm -hmm. again, like when I, I light a blue candle because I'm feeling anxious and blue is supposed to help calm you down. Do I really think that a blue candle is going to fix my life? No. But what I do think is that by me taking the 30 seconds to light this candle, I'm pausing for a minute to be like, this is this is the intention. Is the intention. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna let it sit in this candle because I can't just get rid of the anxiety. It's gonna right. sit in this candle while I go do whatever I need to do, and it's gonna live there for a minute because I got I got mm -hmm. stuff to do right now. Right. Yeah. In this in this, yeah, tangible way of taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. All right. Right. I mean, so there's a festival in August, which is the Hungry Ghost Day. And it, it's kind of, it's basically like Halloween or the Day of the Dead when it's a, it's a day when the spirits walk around. Anyway, so um, I, it, the, it, the Taiwanese holidays still pop up on my calendar from when I live there. When it, when it happened a few weeks ago, I wake up and I realize that a, a picture has fallen off of our mantle. It's been there for literally years. It never has done this. I don't really know how it could have, but... It was spooky. <laughs> and also I look at my calendar and I'm like, oh, it's it's Hungry Ghost Day. So I I feel uneasy. So what I did was like, all right, I'm going to light some incense. I'm going to take an orange and some rice and put it outside. And I'm going to say, listen, if you're out there, here's some stuff. Good luck on your journey. Don't hang out in my house and throw pictures around. You know, this house is blessed by Jesus. Good luck on whatever, wherever you're going on this Hungry Ghost Day. I don't know if that was if that did anything, but I, this is what I do know. Made I, you feel better I, for a little I, bit. I immediately felt better. Yeah. I yeah. felt like, oh, there was this thing. I it was a problem. I fixed it. Yeah. And yeah, the picture didn't happen again, and yeah. I felt fine the rest of the day. Yeah. A so much of so much of what we're, um, like circling here is is, like you're saying, like all the ways that like we feel out of control and are looking for ways to to find that again um i think that's always been like my fear of the the occult in like the big sense but also in any of these instances i really can't find anything that um doesn't rhyme in some way mm -hmm. with like you're saying like ancient jewish practices or like something i've done in christianity mm -hmm. um and just found a way to like keep these other things at a distance because I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Are there ways, are there things that you all do mm. to engage with the unseen world? Mm. I struggle with it. Even the practices that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, some friends of my mother's hosted a prayer call and there was a lot of speaking in tongues. And I realized that like, I've been out of the charismatic church for so long that it really made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, I'm bitching about the occult <laughs> and I'm also bitching about people speaking in tongues. Yeah. Oh. So, but I think that's a me thing mm -hmm. um, because I'm a very like, I'm a history major. I like logic things. I like things to be step by step. Mm -hmm. So I am trying to lean into um, the inexplicable a little bit more. Mm. Um, and this is not like a this is not like a, an occult practice or something like that. But like meditation is really helpful mm -hmm. for me. Um, my mind is constantly whirling, and 
setting an intention and meditating and really just focusing and being able to simmer down my thoughts, like to settle down my thoughts, mm -hmm. that has been a practice that is really helpful for me that I grew up hearing would it be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, that's probably the same for me. Um, and I am like one of the things I have been thankful about the faith tradition that we've been a part of this this last, but like together. Almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, I was really, yeah, I was introduced to meditation through Circle of Hope. Me too. Um, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Even even if like what you end up with is like a collection of your own scattered thoughts. Mm -hmm. like, there is something in that process, even if I don't feel it at the time, that like lets me know that that scatter is like, it's loved. Mm -hmm. It's it's beloved. It, even if not yet by me, like by the God I'm praying to, to love me <laughs> through all this weirdness I'm mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm definitely like, I, I find myself envious of like the, the connections that you all are finding to like your, your ancestry and these, these practices that, um, that are illuminating what I am unfamiliar with. Mm -hmm. For me, all, everything that we're talking about is about cultivating faith. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I needed to mm -hmm. work harder on this when I stopped believing, when I stopped thinking that prayer could help. I said earlier that I don't think there's any difference between my grandfather blessing me and casting a spell prayer and magic are equally mystical yeah and for me believing that i can influence the world i can ask god to do something in the world mm -hmm. and trust that he'll do it which is literally what jesus tells us to do ask and it'll yeah. be given to you um I have to work really hard to believe that that's true. Yeah. And so for me, the idea that prayer works is, is something that I have to work on believing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By saying that, what I don't mean is they're both equally dumb. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is do what you can, do what you have to, to cultivate faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's how we survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the last thing that we'd like to do is talk about whatever we're into this week. Uh, Bethany, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So I'm into my mom this week, and I feel like I'm into my mom every week, but I'm especially shouting her out this week because her birthday is on Thursday, October nice. 12th. So. Oh, yeah. October babies. Yeah. And I, I redesigned. Right, hold on. I'm going to hit an air horn. I'm going to hit the air horn sound. We can't hear it, but I trust it's there. <laughs> Much like prayer. Much like prayer. And I'm excited. After this, I'm going, going to pick her up in Delaware and bringing her back to my house. And I redecorated her bedroom and my house. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited for that surprise. I'm excited for her to see the room. Awesome. Um, I had a... I, I was sick a couple of weeks ago with COVID, and so I was obviously going to be on my phone a lot more. Was, was that your first time? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. That's what I and thought. I got like, I, I, I don't know why I said COVID because I, I, it was COVID, and I, I hate saying it because I definitely had the kindest, gentlest version of this thing, so I don't like telling people that I got it. Why? But it is, 
but it is definitely like a testament to i think just like vaccines and yeah and what we what we know well, would you have felt you know? better if you like almost died yeah. no 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 it's not it's not like that but i do like i i you feel like there's a connotation. So when you say COVID, yeah. it's almost like saying an experience that you didn't have. I didn't have that experience. Okay, I can yeah. hear that. You know, like yeah. I had like I had a hard head cold for eight days. Okay. <laughs> eight like, days though. That's a it, long ass time. That's just it. Like it was eight days. COVID was like two days for me. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, you had a really easy case yeah. too, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I did get into a couple a couple new people. It's interesting that that like this is um, what we're talking about today. So like I'll send you the the links, but like, there's a couple new new people in my feed. There's the Wild Dryad, um, Shane Alden Edwards, who just is this nerd who talks about mushrooms all the time. Uh, oh, but I'm like, I'm learning stuff about mushrooms, and actually, like, like I guess we're on like hen of the woods season, and I like we had some this this week, and it was delicious. Where'd you get it? Um, Janine found it, found it in the woods, and then you she ate foraged it. for it. Now they say so that's awesome. every mushroom's edible once. <laughs> I'm still here. Okay. Wow. Um, and the other person is um, called the Black Forager. Um, and I like the the day that I the day that I found her, she was like in Aspen, which is she's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and just she foraging on her way to a conference. She yeah, she's really fun. Mm-hmm. So nice. What does she say? Happy foraging! Don't die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I've seen her TikTok. Yeah, it's just great. That's great. Yeah. What are you into, Tess? Um, I will also stay on theme. I'm really into the Renaissance Fair. Hey. Um, I do have season passes. Oh gosh, really? <laughs> yeah. I go almost every weekend. Um, I Now, what do you do at a Renaissance Fair? Every weekend? Yeah. Yeah, that you would go every I'm week. I'm so glad you all asked. Um, first thing I get to do, which is half the fun, is I get to dress up and wear a crown. Okay. Um, so that's very important. Um, yeah. That is lots of glitter. That is, that is half the fun. Um, also, the Pennsylvania Ren Fair is on a winery. So I drink a lot of wine. Okay. Um, that's huh. very good. It's like a cup that's like... Are what are you laughing at, Andrew? <laughs> the fact that you the, the, your body language and the way you said okay was like, all right, I get it. Wine, all right. Yeah, there's some good... Wine. And it's like good wine. Um, <laughs> and listen to the bagpipe show. Um, good we wine see a, is difficult a, to find around here, like from the yeah, winery. So that it is, it is really good wine. Yeah. Um, yeah, we see we see the bagpipe show, and we see there's like a drag show roast, and oh, that sounds fun. And then we just walk around and see she what else have, weird she didn't people. Have any bagpipes. <laughs> she did not have a They're a lot funner than you would think. I, I was about to be like, now why are you mentioning bagpipes? That's not on the list of fun. people. Always kind of have the reaction. We brought many people to go see the bagpipes, and I'm like, okay, it's like pretty cool. Like, but yeah, so and then you just like walk around and see what other people are like dressed up as, and some people aren't dressed up, but it's still just like less and less all the time from what I hear, though. Like, I guess I mean it can be like expensive to like actually mm-hmm. dress up, but. Yeah, so that's what I'm into. That's awesome. uh, it's very fun and silly. And um, if you ever want to go, there's three more weekends. Hey. So go mostly on Saturday. Just let me know. Um, I am, uh, what am I into? Uh, oh, there's a Korean show on Hulu called Moving. It's, a, it's kind of a spy show, kind of an X-Men show, but it's really about parents taking care of their kids. And it's really good. I don't know. It's just it's just a really good show. It's rooted in like Korean current events. Oh, also, there's this one character who's like a Korean American CIA agent, a agent adoptee, and the way they establish that he's American 
is when he gets off the plane, the establishing shot is that he's wearing jeans. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, this guy's... Um, what do people typically wear in Korea? I mean, jeans are very specifically American and the, also the fact that we just wear them everywhere. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But like... Also, there's multiple Korea, South Korea, I met. Right. Well, that's... That's typically what people mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a good show. Special thanks to uh, Tess Patino, who in addition to being our guest, You're welcome. is our social media goddess. Jared Selby does our theme song. Amy Young does our website. And yeah, we want to hear from y'all. We still haven't gotten a letter and I don't appreciate that. So write into us at thecolorcorrectionpodcast.com. Drop us a line. We want to hear from you about how your Jesus following and following your anti-racism and all of that jazz. So write to us at colorcorrectionpodcast.com. And with that, stay black, Little Mermaid.